jump into the actual episode intro recording. So, all right. So, I'm not going to start with this. All right. Hello and welcome to the D Program Podcast. I am one of your two hosts, Dexter. Um, This is our episode over Discovery of Zero. This was a fun episode. I'm not exactly sure it was a good one just to dust the cobwebs off of. You know, Shannon and I have been having a little bit of a hiatus of late just because uh, life has been busy. Um, We are now recording in the new house, which is kind of crazy. Uh, This house wasn't even bought three months ago and we're already fully living in it and stuff so it's been a a wild couple of months Uh, a lot of logistical stuff that I'm not necessarily super blessed at Uh, I was kind of heading that all up getting it moved as you can uh, the YouTube uh, viewers can see out my window uh, I've got my septic tank out there I've got some rods uh, marking where it is because one of the things about putting a house up in super fast is uh, there are things you don't think about and things you overthink. And uh, so the septic tank was kind of one of them that where we position our house to where the trees are, it just ended up aligning. So uh, I guess the background of my my YouTube channel will just be my, uh, my shit tank out there in my yard. But... It's a beautiful view. This uh, corner of our house is perhaps the, the prettiest view of the entire farm. So anyway, that just for a little bit of context, it's been a crazy couple of months. And in that craziness, uh, Shannon and I, well, we started to question what is our zero? What is our baseline? Where are we the most comfortable or like what even are we doing? In a lot of ways, you know, because we were living in a one-bedroom farmhouse with our two kids. Uh, absolutely impossible. Uh, so, anyway, we we put this double wide up. And so, it was kind of interesting because I I never really thought I was going to live in a double wide. I don't think my wife e- did either. We had some preconceived notions. Uh, I think in our society of mobile homes and double wides and whatever. But anyway, we're super happy with it. And... Now that we're here, we're going to be able to start recording a little bit more often and getting some more episodes out. Anyway, that's just a little bit of context for the episode. Uh, I have been enjoying hearing a few people tell me that they've uh, listened for the first time to the podcast and uh, had really constructive things to say, had interesting things like perspectives I hadn't really looked into. One of the ones that was pointed out to me uh, that I thought was really interesting was uh, one of the guys I work with. His name's Prater. Shout out. Um, he came up to me and he had listened to my simulation uh, episode and he liked it, but he had an interesting thought because he was like, oh, I thought you were going to talk about dreams. So in that episode about simulation, I never really talked about dreams, which is kind of crazy to me because as he pointed out, that is one of the you know most blatant simulations that we all experience on a fairly regularly ba- like regular basis. So that's why I need my listeners to give me some feedback because I thought that was a really interesting feed that was some really interesting feedback and he was kind of saying he thinks we should do a part 2 over simulation and I would like to possibly do some part 2s to these episodes as listeners know uh, this isn't a comprehensive like i'm not a scholar or anything so whenever i'm talking about something like especially today the discovery of zero uh, a lot of it is just me trying to get a conversation started and maybe you know i think my wife and myself are a good combination of developing ideas so uh or getting the ball started rolling down the direction of of developing conversations or whatever so uh if you do have any ideas about or observations or thoughts about an episode or this episode or whatever it is you hear uh just jump on you know shoot 
shoot me a message, either email or direct message or any of those things. Shoot me a message about what it is you're thinking and, and possibly we could hit a show on it real quick, especially now that we got like a studio set up. I mean, literally, it's just a room with some electronic equipment in it. But we can we can now actually record uh, a little bit more consistently. A couple of addendum notes for uh, this episode, Discovery of Zero. Uh, at the beginning, I hadn't... I, I had a paper where I had my notes about the episode and certain things that we were going to talk about, and I had forgotten it somewhere or I only had one of the pages, I can't really remember, but all of my dates were off. So, um, a little addendum. Uh, so, this is from a Scientific American, uh, you know, article that I found on the internet. Uh, it seemed pretty legit. So... There, he said one of the things is like R0 kind of officially was birthed with Fibonacci in uh, 1200, the year 1200, that he brought it up from Mesopotamia. And they say that it originated in Mesopotamia between 400 and 300 BC. So that was in uh, Babylon. Uh, so that's where they think that uh, the Western sit like zero came from. Um, but what's super interesting is that like the first like real zero official zero was in the fifth century AD and that was in India. That was the first like documented official zero as we use it, as we in the modern day conceive of it or whatever. Um, but independently the Mayans developed their zero in the first few years, first few centuries of this millennia, or I, I don't know. Anyway, so like year zero to two hundred, they were developing their their zero. So anyway, those are just a couple of little addendums, a little uh, you know postscript. So that was just to kind of context for the beginning part. But I think we got into some interesting areas with this episode. I really liked it. There were some things that I didn't quite harp on the way that I thought I would harp on, uh, especially like resetting a range. So viewing your zero as something you can dip below, you know, like with the negatives, like there's positive numbers and negative numbers. If you set your zero where there are no negative numbers, it's kind of an interesting uh, difference. Anyway. I hope you enjoy this episode. Listen to it. Uh, like, share, subscribe. Do whatever you do. Please contact me. Hit me up on uh, Instagram, Panhandle Primate Podcast. Or Panhandle Primate. So it used to be the Panhandle Primate Podcast. Now it's the D-Program Podcast with me and my co-host, Shannon. You can follow her on Instagram, too. Quick shout-out to the, to the talented Shannon Kearley. She uh, got third place in her second ever spartan race this one was a sprint so i think i heard at the beginning they said it was just maybe slightly less than three miles was the course and i can't remember how many obstacles um like 20 or 40 it's a big difference but somewhere in there uh but she got third and killed it she did really great in the race and uh, so her other one was a super is what we did. And she got third in that one too for her age group. So she's doing really well at those races. And I want to support her in that because she's, or shout her out. So uh, she's she's smart and beautiful and she's great at Spartan racing as well. So anyway, give her a follow on her Instagram. And uh, of course, there's also the Curly Cultivation, which is going to follow this project behind me where we're going to eventually have garden, a big, big market garden, probably plant some more fruit, fruit trees, and uh, just trying to uh, figure out what it looks like to be a family in modern America, trying to separate ourselves a little bit from, hmm, maybe that's, maybe we'll save that for another episode. Anyway, thank y'all for listening, and uh, until next time, peace. What gives you the right? Well, I am a ticking time bomb of fury.
This can't be happening, man. This isn't happening. <laughs> well, what if there is no tomorrow? <laughs> so stop melting, ladies, because the boy is hotter than hot. I'm the best chance you've got. So today we are talking about zero and we're going to talk about it as both a concept and a number. Do you have anything to interject? Oh, I was just going to say and as a word. Ooh, yeah. And as a word and as a symbol. Yeah. Dang. I'm going to go ahead and make those notes because I didn't have those. So as a concept, number, symbol, and word, all very different things. So I guess we should start with the maybe most obvious connotations is as a number. I guess to us, maybe not obvious to everybody. But the number, the first evidence of zero seems to be pretty um, hidden, a little mysterious. Because what... I don't know about mysterious. It is actually mysterious. I watched a pretty long video. It was about an hour long video over an archaeologist who got funding to look for the earliest evidence of zero in India. And so he was going all over these temples. I guess there's these super famous sacred zeros that are carved into different temples. Now, the Graham Hancock side of me uh, with lost ancient civilizations would say that they don't actually know how old those temples are. So they're having to rely on dating of the temple to know how old that zero is. But the zero is contemporaneous with the temple. So they say that they're from the same time. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, this guy, he started traveling all around and he was finding all these zeros and he was finding older and older and older zeros. He finally found, I guess that there was something that happened where he was looking. I, I should know this. I should have looked up the, the, but there was like a revolution. And during the revolution, a lot of the artifacts and art was destroyed and carried off and sold. And um, it resulted in like a lot of shambles of relics that are just stored in this huge warehouse. This guy finally got access to it. He started looking he found the oldest zero, which was, you know, B.C. It was, uh, you know, a couple of centuries B.C. E, B.C., whatever you want to call it. But it was just super fascinating because he was saying, like, there was so much archaeology um, material that has not been dug through. So he said, it could be far older. It's just very mysterious because there's all of these, you know, just buckets that they'd have to dig through, and in garbage heaps and that kind of stuff. That's why I say it's a little bit mysterious. But anyway, um, the Western world, there's a little bit of controversy here, but the Western world mostly tracks their zero back to India, I think. But there's yeah. also evidence of it maybe um, generating, manifesting, Separately in Mesopotamia, yeah, in the Fertile I think that's the general consensus. Is mm. that like the zero we use came from India? However, we are not, or India was not the only civilization to in come the, up in with the, the West. Number. In the West, yeah. But meanwhile, in the New World, the undiscovered world, uh, in quotations, of the time, there was the Mayans. And the earliest evidence of the Mayans, and I actually don't think that this is correct. I think somebody could do some research on it and find a different date. But the the article I was reading said 36 BC. 30, yeah, 36 BC. So like, you know, right around, you know, zero. Uh, so I guess that'd be 22, let's see, 2240 years ago. Whatever. <laughs> Long time ago. Um, but they developed it supposedly from scratch. What? Oh, nothing. No, I was thinking math. Not from mine. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm terrible at math. Yeah. I was lagging. Which is, which is uh, interesting that we're doing. <laughs> yeah. Actually, it was decent at math. But anyway, um, they supposedly developed it all from scratch. 
which I'm sure that's why I say with quotations on a lot of this stuff, because I think ancient architects or, you know, people who are proponents of ancient lost civilizations would say that most of the temples and most of the structures and like, I know like the pyramids at Giza, they had to have known what zero, like they had to have had a system that incorporated a placeholder of zero to build some of those structures. I would just imagine. Anyway, you got anything to say on, on the history of the number zero? Um, I guess it depends on what else you're trying to talk about. I do think, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? There was controversy when the Indians gave us zero. Right. Like, I don't know if that was something you were getting to or not. Um, no, this would be a good spot to talk about. It, it's interesting how people can be prejudiced against an idea based off of where it came from. Oh, I think we still, I mean, I think well, that happens are. all the time 100%, today 100%. still. That's why I think prejudice largely is, is you're, you almost uh, frame the idea based off of your prejudice against the culture, almost. But you, you, what was interesting is you were saying it was like the West was nervous because it showed how India in this one way was like way advanced, right? So it might call into question the narrative of the day that like England per se or, you know, uh, a more Anglo uh, based culture was undermined, was beaten, was bested by the people from India, which they, you know, were sub, uh, subjugating at the time, or maybe not at that time. I don't know how long ago. Yeah, I was just thinking of something else. Yeah, so the idea is. <laughs> okay, why don't you go be there just a minute? <laughs> the joys of a six-year-old. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh, what was I saying? Oh, okay. So basically the in India this idea of zero as a number came about, right? Right. But from what I had read, like the Pope specifically too was also saying no, this is kind of unacceptable, you know. We almost like pagan. We don't yeah, like we don't want to admit that they had a better idea than us, that their system was far more superior. And so, I okay, so basically the thought was that zero was considered bad because it represented the void of Christ. Right. Like, emptiness. So they their reasoning was basically like, if God is everything, then nothingness is the opposite of God, so it is the devil, and zero represents the devil, which is a bit... Which is weird, and I didn't have time to look into this prior because it's a very deep hole, but, you know, numerology is very important in Jewish, like, language and poetry and religion, and so I wonder, that's interesting, that the Catholics took a stance that was probably antithetical to the Jewish like understanding of zero. Yeah, so I, I had no idea that that even began that way. So I thought yeah, that was really that is interesting. interesting. That's an interesting stumble across. Let me do this, and then I, I do have thoughts on this. But you can. I mean, do you want to say something real quick to the podcast? You want to say something? Um, let's see. What do you think is important about the number zero? Um, that. Everything it does is just nothing. Oh, that's a good one. Good one, Emmett. Well, yeah, because we were talking about that the other day. What is five plus zero? Nothing. (laughs) (laughs) No, remember? If we have five and we add zero to it. How many do we have? How much do we have? Five. Yeah, so it doesn't change you're right. Yeah, good work. Okay, hey, go play in your room. Be quiet. I love you. All right, little guest, little guest spot from a little guy. Okay. I mean, pop popped in because he had to poop. Okay. Well, it's actually funny that you are positioning yourself the way you have because. This is the spot I had written language concept or language context for for concept of zero Shannon's rant, 
and you you were just like, I want to rant. Well, I don't know about rant, but I think this is this is where it gets interesting because when I was looking into it, people kept saying like, um, India is where zero was invented, or things like that, and. I just thought it was important to clarify that the concept and the number are two very different things. Ooh. So people had ways of conceptualizing nothingness and zero. They just didn't have... And communicating Yeah, it. and communicating it. They just did not have the number zero. Right. That's what was significant. And so the, the concept of zero itself is not revolutionary. It was its practical application in mathematics that was revolutionary that when when we're thinking of zero or whenever we research zero what pops up is the scientific the um, industrious use of zero not necessarily the fact that these people literally didn't know it not having something yeah it's not like hey this person over here uh has five apples and i have oh i don't i how can I even say this? I don't have the words. I don't know what to say for having right. no apples. Right. I mean, no, it's not that. Mm-hmm. But it's just that they had Roman numerals at the time, which doesn't have. I wonder the if that's because of like what it. they were using the Roman numerals to count. Like, but you see, it's never. It's not an, unless because that they probably weren't using it for addition and subtraction. Well, it was limited. You could not use it. You couldn't really do division or multiplication with Roman numerals. I guess, and I guess you technically can, but it doesn't lend itself to that in the same way that our Arabic numerals do now. Right, and I'm pretty sure that they just didn't have the spot holder. So, like the way that some of these uh, older cultures would count was like in groups of nine. So they would have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Yeah, and then they would have like one and a half would be, you know, nine, four, you know, or nine. Well, and I just think of in Roman numerals, 10 is X. So you still had this number that we see a zero in because we are used to seeing a zero in it. Right. But for them, they had an X. There was no zero present. It, right. and, it, and if you talk about digits, which our math relies on now, right? Right. Hey, this is a three-digit number or whatever. They didn't have that. Because they didn't have a placeholder to represent the completion. Yeah, of- it just wasn't built on that. Right. It just it represented a whole number, not increments of numbers. Right. So it just didn't allow for math to really explode in the way it did after zero. Right, right. Which is just interesting. Well, and, and that's what one of the other things that I thought was interesting is these people um, that are accredited with uh, discovering zero or coming up with zero um, were advanced mathematicians already. So a lot of it was based off of measurements. So they would measure uh, astrological alignments and stuff. So they could predict when Venus was going to be there, or Mercury, or um, they would predict the moon's phases and all these different things, right? They had all these measurements. So it wasn't like they were incapable or um, like they didn't possess high-level abilities. It was just it was just framed in a different, uh, almost like game. What? Yeah, so this is actually something I was going to talk about as well. Because, again, whenever you mentioned the idea of doing zero as a podcast, it was like, okay, sure, numbers, meh. But then when I was looking into it and thinking about it, there's so much about it as a word and about language. Mm-hmm. So then I was looking into it and also just thinking about the Sapir-Whorf hypothesis. Oh, right. So the Sapir-Whorf hypothesis is the idea that language determines thought. What language you th- speak will shape the thoughts that you can have. Now, this is largely disproven, although there are aspects of it which is true. So let me just restate it in a way that is true. Okay. Language influences thought. Language does not determine thought. Mm. But people use that as a way to 
um, explain things by saying, so really the guy, Worf, I think his name is Ben Worf, he was talking about the Hopi tribes and that they were not as civilized as us, and so he said it was due to their language. They had a less less civilized language, therefore they have a less civilized culture. Because they couldn't use these words, they could not build these things. Right. Which, that's completely not true. Right. So even with the concept of zero, it's not that, well, we couldn't even think of all of these other things until we had zero to allow us to think about it. That's not the way language works, and that's not the way thoughts work. As a slight aside just a very slight aside uh you were currently within a in a translation class yeah and so i thought like whenever you were saying that i thought that was interesting because um a lot of times people think that translations are like technical like cross translation i even thought that like attaching a number to a concept almost right Mm -hmm. like like it goes across this barrier um but what i think what i thought was interesting about you going to this class and being in a class with a ton of creative writers, not necessarily technical writers. What I thought was really interesting about that is you have all of these different historical, um, historical perceptions, right? Like we look back at the Hopi people. That's a really good example. And if there's a technical writer translating their writings where we're going to lose a huge chunk of their writings because it's not being interpreted um, by like somebody who is trying to translate it. I guess. Am I rambling? Well, I'm just trying to follow. Okay, but do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Well, to me, it's really interesting because, in the same way that we're limited of our understanding of like how they perceived zero, you know, it's like through the technical lens. Not the creative ones. Yeah. And I guess just, of course, because historians are having to go back and read writings, right? So, of course, they didn't have the writings of zero. That doesn't mean that they weren't conceptualizing some of these things, same ideas. They just were limited in in their practical application of them. Right. So I just think that is pretty interesting and important. I just, when I was reading about this, I saw a lot of people trying to say... Well, the concept of zero allowed them to now have these thoughts. Not quite. I just wanted to clarify that. That's not really the way language works. Right. So I thought that was important. I also thought another kind of just interesting thing is that philosophers took an issue with zero when it was first. Um, Do you remember which philosophers? No, I don't. I would have to go look into it. I don't know if it was like any of the big names we see now. It'd have to be pre-enlightenment because... Supposedly, it was a Fibonacci is the first mathematician. Fibonacci. 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 Whatever his I'm name sorry. is. You just do that a lot. Yeah. It's kind of funny. But um, he uh, he was one of the ones that was accredited from bringing it across North Africa. Yeah. Well, and I'm not saying philosophers were trying to stop it from coming or anything. No, no, like no. That. I'm just I'm just saying from. Uh, he was one of the ones that introduced it into mathematics. I'm sure that they had probably been wrestling with it. In different yeah. Ways. So I just was wondering what time frame. I don't know exactly. It, I was just reading a little bit about it because they just said philosophers were unsure about zero being a number mm. because, again, back to language, you can say, I don't have a car. I have zero cars. I have no cars. And so they were just arguing if zero should be a number or not like one is a number i have one car although you can actually technically say i have a car so it gets tricky in there Mm -hmm. which is kind of interesting i don't know if a lot of people realize that there's also philosophy of language Mm -hmm. yeah i don't think most people probably do which people just sit in a room and argue about things like this and it's kind of interesting for a few minutes right (laughs) (laughs) but i just thought that was kind of interesting that they didn't know what to do with this Right. Number. Yeah. Which How then, do you integrate it? let me, hold on, I have another thought. Okay. Can I continue? I'm almost done with all no, of yeah, my thoughts. No, yeah, do your thing. This is, I think, my last main one. The philosophers did have a good point because there is a difference between nothing and zero. Mm. And I do think that actually is fascinating. And I think some of it too just comes back to programming or for linguistics and computational linguistics. There's a difference between zero and nothing. Zero has value. Nothing does not. Mm. So zero is just ascribing no value, although it still has a value. 
Do you know what I mean? It's a lack of value. Right, right. But nothing means that there's nothing. Right, there almost you don't necessarily have to have context for nothing. It just means that it's it's null. It's right. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of just fun. That is I fun. think we use zero and nothing synonymously, but the philosophers were onto something. They're not the same. Right. There is a there is a difference. Yeah. There's a subtle difference. Yeah. So you can continue on. Okay, cool. Well, okay, so this this I'm sure will probably tie back into that concept a little bit. Um, but so I just thought of a few, I, I looked up a few fun zeros, you know, that just kind of, I thought are interesting examples of zero and how zero is used. The first one was absolute zero or zero Kelvin, which, uh, it was actually, um, discovered by, uh, Baron, uh, Kelvin he lived from 1824 to 1907. I thought that was kind of cool. But negative um, 273 degrees Celsius is zero Kelvin. And what zero Kelvin represents, although they have not actually demonstrated it, I don't believe. Um, they haven't ever actually observed at absolute zero but it's whenever all of the molecules inside an object or within a gas, I say object, but within a bundle of molecules, uh, completely stop. And so what's interesting is that that represents the absolute volume of whatever that gas is because it's whenever it's the most condensed. That's interesting. Um, but also like when the, the molecules like normally are vibrating, you know, and they're uh, emitting heat and uh, absorbing heat or whatever they do, however that shit works. I don't actually know. But um, <laughs> it's a kind of a fun concept, you know? Like, there is no smaller volume than absolute zero, you know? But I thought that was kind of a cool one. Uh, another cool zero is the null point. Do you remember what the null point is? <laughs> no. So think back to seven eaves. This was the first point, the first time that I had really conceptualized this in, you know, frame of it, where it actually made sense. But the null point is if you imagine there's the sun and the earth, right? If you're traveling from the earth away from the sun, then you're not only fighting the gravitational pull of the earth, but also of the sun, right? So if you're wanting to escape the orbit of the earth, you have to look, you have to aim for that null point where the sun is pulling on your ship as much or more than the earth is pulling on your ship and then it allows you to break out of the gravitational pull of the earth and they uh they used it in seven eves whenever that billionaire was going off to save yeah, the world yeah do you remember that and he he had to aim for this certain point and that was the null point i thought that was an interesting zero right it's the, it's the point where the Earth's gravity is pulling on you uh, less than the sun's gravity is pulling on you, allowing you to break out of this pull. You know, I thought that was kind of a interesting zero, null point. And then I thought, um, this is one that I thought you'd have something interesting to say. I almost inject, interjected it uh, a second ago, but uh, binary code. So binary code operates on one or zero, mm -hmm. on or off, you know? I thought that was an interesting uh, interesting concept because, like, imagine had they not had zero and they had to use, like, one and two. It's like, which one would be on? What, what would be off? What would it be representing, you know, instead of just a left or right? I guess you could have left or right or A and B or whatever. Yeah, you could come yeah. up with the binary system a completely arbitrary binary system because right. one and zero is arbitrary. It is arbitrary. Except that we link zero to off, nothing, things mm -hmm. like that. Yeah, but could be anything, but it still is interesting. Yeah, I thought that was kind of a fun because the way how everything electronic in our world, everything operates on binary code and then just stacks of binary code, which create bits and then multiple bits and gigabits and whatever anyway i thought that was an interesting use of zero and then i was wanting to play with the idea of zero 
allowed the construction in the metaphysical. So beforehand, math was based in kind of a bubble, if you think, where we're at the center of this bubble and we're making measurements. And so then we're able to plot out movements of celestial bodies, but it's based off of being inside this bubble, right? So it's all observationally based. Whereas once they had the concept of the zero, they were now able to create longer equations and more complex thoughts, you know, and more precise measurements. Hmm, I'm thinking. Sorry, I'm just processing. I'm trying to figure out. My initial reaction was, you said it gave people uh, the ability to have more complex thoughts, mm -hmm. which I immediately took issue with. And then you thought about it. Well, I'm just thinking about it. Because like I... one of the things that's that's interesting is imagine like representing um, large amounts of time. Yeah, and I mean, that's what it's hard to... I don't know, I guess it's just hard for me to think about sometimes because people could have the thoughts, but then, yeah, having the zero does change what they could do with those thoughts. That's what I'm meaning. So. It's constructing in the metaphysical. Yeah. Like, it's it's where I, I can have a thought or have a vision and communicate it to you in a legible way, like something that you can read, and we can both make sure that we understand the same yeah, thing. Yeah, which then does allow for collaboration which allows mm -hmm. for many other things expansion and yeah. growth and yeah okay okay so um but i was thinking like with math and physics specifically how having this oh that you know a lot of people call uh math which they're meaning numbers the universal language which is kind of interesting you know like they always think if in fact we come in contact with uh, you know, alien beings or something like that, that will be able to communicate with them through mathematical concepts. I mean, language is very mathematical. Well, right, when right. You, when you study very technically. Yeah, but see, is it mathematically or pattern? Like, because w what's interesting is I it's think... It's all so, equations. Well, but see, that's what I'm saying is like an equation is just a pattern, correct? It's like... Rep like I guess it's it, how you want to define it. I mean, if yeah, you're defining it as the same thing, then I guess it's the same thing. I guess what's interesting is I'm just wondering is like... I don't think it's just a pattern. What, math? Yeah. I just, if I'm thinking of like the definitions of each word, I don't think that would be... I think that's too simplified to say math is just a pattern. Therefore, mm -hmm. language is just a pattern. Well, no, I'm just saying like, is it what... Is it what makes our brains be able to do language... Is that the same thing that makes our Formulas. brains able to do math? I don't know. I don't study math. <laughs> I know. I'm just saying. I'm just saying it's kind of a curious, like an interesting thought. Because in that way, like a superior wharf type hypothesis thing, where you're looking at it and you're saying, okay, you know, how can I conceptualize traveling at the speed of light in uh, proximity to a neutron star or something like that, right? Uh, I, I feel like you can't have that conversation without the numbers, without the zeros and stuff. Does that make sense? Talking like, about like hyperspeed and things? Like you yeah, can't... hyperspeed or well, like, or, again, even, or even super small. I think that's a good example though, because we can sit here and talk about it. I don't know what I'm talking about. Though. Yeah, like we, we're not studying this, but we can talk about it, okay, right? Yeah, like yeah, we can conceptualize it. We can talk about it. We can understand to an extent. To an extent. What is going on. Right. Now that's, I mean, limited. Now if we studied it and got the knowledge and terminology that came with it, that would allow us to learn more. Right. So yes, and some of that just comes with knowledge. Uh, I don't even think it's just the language. It's not that the language itself is giving us power. It's that we're just learning things. Right. Which involves language. Does that make sense? It kind of makes sense. I think it. I think it makes sense. I think just to clarify, a lot of people also look at grammatical structure. This is um, where a lot of the superior wharf hypothesis comes from as well. So Worf looked at the Hopi and thought that their grammatical structure was less complex. Does that make mm, sense? Right. So it's not necessarily lack of words. 
It was that they, what he thought was less complex, which isn't true. Right. And that, I mean, that really doesn't mean anything. Right. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. I. They still had a, a very systematic grammar that functioned the same way every other, I mean. It's a complete, it's a, it's Functioned almost, as grammar should. It's I almost I like, say. how can you even use words like that whenever you're claiming science, you know? Like, oh, it's it's too simple or something, you know? Whenever, well, what's funny is like Albert Einstein had that quote where he said like, if it's not simple, then you don't know it, yeah. you know? So it's just kind of interesting when people try to denigrate something based off of the sim- the quote-unquote simplicity of its structure. Yeah. Whenever it's like, do you actually understand the structure of it? Which then you bring a linguist in. They're going to tell you the structure of the language. And they're probably going to say... You know, there's these like your uh, your one teacher that was like <clears throat> would break stuff down so crazy and ask you like uh, Miss Kim was her Doctor Kim Doctor Kim, she had um what was it like a three word sentence, and she was like you were like stumped on how the use of of was or something. Oh my gosh, yeah, we'd have to like identify every stuff. piece of a sentence, which there are some sentences where it's very hard to tell. Right, and it's super complex. And that's you- the that's. Okay, I'm sure we're going, I'm sure I'm going on a tangent, but that, like, okay, think of any sentence with the word of, and now think of what your brain has to formulate in order to compute that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? What do you put in in order to get that out? Right. And that is what, um, like, syntacticians work on. And so it's just, that's kind of, I don't even remember, we were talking about that a little bit. I just think that's fascinating. No, that is fascinating. Well, it, it's all, that kind of was all wrapped in like with the patterns and what is math. And yeah. So language is very mathematical in, in the sense that it's very formulaic. Right. Well, and so, and okay, well. Computing something. Or, yeah. Making a computation. So here we go. Now I wanted to talk about um, the figurative zero. Okay. Like let's resetting go. the figurative zero. And so. Uh, science resets zeros in order to make like more precise uh, measurements, right? So like for instance, if you had something that was fluctuating between 10 and 15 degrees, right? Maybe you would want your zero to be 8 degrees and your maximum to be, you know, 22 degrees, Right. So you're using zero as base or right. bottom line. Right, bottom line. Okay. You know, so you're resetting your zero. And then you're you're able to say like um one, zero, or negative one, right? It's a relative point now. So I could say, um, today it was ninety degrees. Well, yesterday it was ninety one degrees. You know, if you set your zero at ninety, it would be yesterday was one degree, you know. The other day it was nine, you know, negative one degree. You wouldn't use that, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, I think I, maybe a, the examples you're giving aren't great because I do think, I mean, I understand what you're saying and I do think we can use zero relatively. There are also very, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Exact ways to use zero. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like I'm, when we're looking at temperature, zero is zero. I'm talking about resetting zero though. Yeah. Like, like for instance, on a scale, right? Like if we're if I'm about to weigh a baby calf out in the field and we've got a scale on the ground, right? I can step on the scale, zero it out, and then I can pick up the calf, step on the scale, and it'll tell me how much the calf weighs. Yeah. Because I'm negated yeah. out of it. Yeah, you that's know? true. That's, that's just what that's I'm saying. Is yeah. I'm just saying that when you're resetting zero, you're it's almost like a jumping off point, right? You're you're resetting and saying that this is almost the expectation yeah, to a degree. And so I was thinking that, you know, this altering of the range, <coughs> you know, resetting zero when you're altering your range. I think that it's interesting because it's applicable on a figurative level in so many ways. I was thinking present context. This is what actually got me thinking about zero because it got me, I was thinking about resetting to zero and um, our present context is that we bought a house off of Facebook, bought a double wide off of Facebook. We've hit zero. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is actually, this is this will play into that, actually. But 
So we bait Shannon. What was it? Two months ago? Three months ago? Probably three months you ago. You hit your wall. You said, "I'm done being in the farmhouse. I can't do it anymore. I'm done." And so I started to scramble, and I was like, "Okay." We started looking at different options. Buying a house, a a house on a different piece of property, wasn't an option. You know, um, buying a new mobile home wasn't really an option. Building wasn't really an option. Well, we had our reasons for not. We had our reasons. I mean, I guess, sure, they were options, but not desirable options to us. Yes, yes. We had had goals, and they didn't fit our goals. And so, anyway, within two months, we are now sitting with this, where we're currently recording, is in this double wide that we had moved down to the property and everything. Well, it was really interesting because while we were doing that, I was kind of, you know, through Instagram and Facebook, seeing other people doing their things, right? And it was kind of like, sometimes I get a little self-conscious, you know, because I'm seeing one of like my friends that I maybe graduated near high school with or had some, you know, younger dealings with, and they're building like a baller out, you know, like $400,000 house or $500,000 house. I'm sitting there looking at it and I'm like, wow, you know, like that's impressive. But now everybody's zero is different. You know, that's what I think is interesting. Well, and I think from a, I see it all the time in like with fitness, motivational stuff. So for you or for, I mean, yeah, for you, if you stop running for six months and pick back up, you're still expecting your zero to be three, five, or yeah, yeah, five miles, whatever it is. Whereas if someone else stopped running for six months, their zero might be zero. They might be walking. But you take an ultra marathoner, their zero still might be a half marathon. Yeah, their zero is like 100 miles a week. Yeah. So, I mean, it just, you really can't compare. And I feel like I see that all the time with any kind of motivational thing. Like, you just can't compare because everyone's given different things, different uh, resources or just different priorities. Mm-hmm. So everyone's zero is going to be different. Right. Because, well, I think also on the fitness side of it, that's kind of like a physical thing. Like, right. Like you physically can do this or you physically cannot. Do right. It. Right. But in life, it's also just where do you want your zero to be? Yes. We intentionally chose this mobile home Mm -hmm. for certain reasons because we want our zero to be in a certain place. Yes. That's what I was going to say is it's not necessarily like, you know, Oh, we hit zero as in we're at rock bottom or we are, we were forced into this or or that we're somehow like, so like, I guess what I was saying is imagine if, you know, a zero is at zero versus somebody else's zero is at 25. Yeah. You know, you're both sitting at zero, you know, that can it's look just, very different. it can look very different or be in a different scale or, or range, you know? Yeah. I was actually thinking of this is now on a whole new tangent that we won't have to go into, but I'm thinking of that with, um, what's, how do I want to classify it with class issues with anything like that in that realm? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, as someone who, if you have two people just getting out of high school, one grew up very poor with very little resources, and one grew up very well off, whose dad owns a company or whatever, their base heroes are incredibly different. Mm-hmm. And it's important to recognize that. Well, and that's what, uh, it's interesting when you think our society is broken into classes still to this day you know like i remember whenever i was a kid thinking about the class system in india which was a little bit different because it was very stringent and uh had you know almost legalistic well yeah because you couldn't it, there was less mobility yeah you couldn't really no marry mobility, outside of I mean. your class well you could in the upper classes you could marry up classes but that meant somebody else was marrying down a class yeah. so in order to climb up you know it, it was very tricky i, I imagine or think but to to I remember thinking about that class system, and then you know in America we have a very similar class system where you have generational individuals who uh, experience the same life as their predecessor, 
Yeah, I don't like comparing it to India for several reasons, but I do think that we have a class system. No, I wasn't wanting to compare it to India in that sense. I was just saying it's interesting that that there is, like, what would you say is zero in our society? You know, is it 70000 a year is zero? Or is a million dollars at retirement zero? Or is, like, literally getting payday advances to, to pay the bills well, you got It's going to be different for everybody. I know. Yeah. It's just interesting, you know, to to imagine that concept in a, in a class system or within classes, class structure. Yeah. Uh, because it's it's like also what are you um, measuring it in? Is it happiness? Is it dollars? Is it longevity, you know, mm-hmm. fitness? How many calories you get a day? That might be an interesting way of measuring you know, success. But, um, so all this for the, the present context of saying, I think we're in a very interesting spot because we intentionally selected our range to a degree. And that's what got me thinking about resetting your zero is kind of being like, okay, what is, you know, like, what do you have to have in your life to be happy? And what does, you know, even like a concept like freedom look like to you. Well, and I think I remember you actually talking about this, I think before it was even a podcast idea of, um, I'm trying to think exactly how we talked about it, but the idea of like what, or I mean, even in money, like what are your payments? What are your monthly payments that you are willing to take on per month? Because for some people, their outgoing expenses are, let's just say 5,000 a month. Well, it was, um, it was saying that was in regards to like buying a car. So there was a switch where people stop. They don't talk about how much the car bought pay, or costs. They talk about how much the monthly payments are. Yeah. So it's like the car might be $60,000 car that you're taking 4% interest <coughs> on, but your payment is $450 a month. Well, I can make that payment. I can make yeah. the four hundred fifty dollars a month. Well, and this goes back a lot to the financial freedom mm-hmm. community, right? That there are some people who want their freedom to be, hey, I may have ten thousand dollars a month in expenses, but I'm traveling the world and whatever, and I've got this job that I love, and or I've got this job I work. Who knows mm-hmm. if they even love it? But they have all these things, and to them, that is what they're aspiring to do. That's where they want their zero to be at. Right. I'm not going below this. Then in, like, the financial freedom community, it's like, my zero is... I literally want my zero to be zero. hmm Anything I make should be profit. Right. You know, I don't, I don't want to have all these outgoing expenses that I have to meet before I can even profit anything. Right. Yeah, and then I, it's just... I mean, it's all just personal decisions... You know, depending on what you want your life to look like. Well, but that's but. what I was. What I was thinking was interesting is um, when you orient your finances towards like zero, actually meaning you don't have any dollars left, right? If you're doing that, then you're going to be budgeting all of your money away, and and you're going to end up dipping below zero because your zero is literally nothing, you know. Versus if your zero was like no. I'm I'm going to make sure that I at least have $800 at the end of every month. Oh, kind of like a padding. Yeah, yeah so like if I said padding. I have this much money in my bank account, so if I go below this amount, that's zero to me. I'm not touching this $1,000. Right. So yeah. like for instance, uh doing something like like saying, okay, 250 goes to this savings account, 250 goes to this savings account, and you pay it up front at the beginning of the month, right? Then at the end of the month, if you know you're approaching zero, well, that's a different zero because you've actually saved $500 Oh, yeah, I've seen people talk about that too, you know, where it'll be a picture, and it's like when people, when I say I'm broke, what people think, but what I I actually mean. Right. You know, it's like, sure, my checking account might be low, but that doesn't mean all my other accounts are low. Right. You know, and that's... Yeah, it's like, well, how do you view your zero? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I, I thought with finances, it was kind of an interesting... We kind of touched on exercise a little bit already. Uh, but 
I do think that's one thing I've thought about for a lot, a lot and thought about a lot is, uh, you know, I want my zero to be six miles a day, right? Not saying I'm going to run six miles every day, but I want to be able to run six miles every day or any day that I have to. That's just your standard. Yeah. The standard, right? Setting your zero at a, you know, and, but not viewing it as my zero for fitness is sitting on the couch eating potato chips and watching a couple of movies. It's like, no, your zero is being able to do this, 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 and this, you know, other than that, you're, you're already failing or whatever. Not in such a harsh term because I agree with you. Uh, I was thinking specifically of like the, these two guys, David Goggins and Cameron Haynes. Do you know who they are? From you. Yeah, they're just ultra marathoners, but uh, Cameron Haynes is also like a badass uh, elk hunter, bow hunter. Uh, but their zeros is incredibly higher than my zero, right? They're like they, I think at one point Cameron Haynes was running like a marathon a day trying to prepare for two. Who even has that time? Well, and that's what's crazy is he worked a full time job. Oh. Plus doing podcast appearances, plus writing a book. Like, it's amazing. It's like, how does he, like, what is his zero look like? You know, like, how does he have enough time for family and to do all this stuff? So it's interesting. Um, But I was thinking in regards to them, you know, just because my zero isn't their zero doesn't mean that I don't have a responsibility set my standard a little bit higher. One, it doesn't make yours any less. Right. It doesn't mean that your zero is less of a zero than their zero. Everyone has different resources. I'm sure he has nannies. If he, I mean, I don't even know if he has kids. Oh, well, his kids, I think, are older. Okay, I was going to say, I'm sure if he has kids, young kids, he would have a babysitter or a nanny or something. Mm-hmm. We don't have that, so we just have less resources. I mean, right. Beyonce has nannies that take care of her kids so that she can go record albums and go and to these appearances. Like and chefs and she has... Personal House. trainers. She and has probably like yard people. And so I, I, I cannot compare my zero to Beyonce zero. It would be stupid. I mean. But you could compare your happiness to her happiness. And well, that might that might be a different framing, right? Maybe. I don't know how happy Beyonce is. She's probably pretty happy, I'd imagine. I have no know? clue. Although she's had some things that probably wouldn't make her very happy. I've never had my husband cheat on me, so... No, you have not. There's that. (laughs) There is that. That's funny. All right. um, So, what do you think? You think... Do you have any other spots you're wanting to hit real quick? I don't know. I just think it's funny that I just referred to Jay-Z as Beyonce's husband. Ooh, yeah. (laughs) Take that, (laughs) Jay-Z. Oh, any other thing relating to Zero? Hmm. No, I think... There's nothing specific. I do just think it's interesting how one little thing can be so much. You know? Hey, we're going to talk about zero. I think my first thought, and I'm sure most people's thoughts, were like, oh, okay. There's not much to talk about it with zero. What do you talk about zero? You know? Meanwhile. But then when you look into it, it's like, wow, there's this huge history. There's this linguistic side of it. Well, what's really, there's an abstract side of it. What's really funny is... Uh, I guess we've maybe been planning this episode for about maybe a month. I mean, that's you had mentioned it a month ago. Yeah. We have not been planning it. Oh, yeah, not been planning it, but thinking about it. But I do remember that, like, your first initial reaction whenever I said, hey, I want to do an episode over zero. I remember you kind of, like, rolling your eyes. I was like, math. I don't, I don't care about math. And I was like, I was like, it's so much more than math. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, it is a lot of fun. And to, you were right. And I was right. Oh, everybody heard that. That was recorded. <laughs> That'll be, um, this will be on, uh, anywhere you can listen to podcasts. Uh, so. <laughs> but anyway, uh, quick, uh, sum up, uh, thank you for listening. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you have made it this far in the episode, come on in, Emmett. Well, okay. We're, we're saying we're saying bye to the podcast world. Do you want to come over? Well, here? and I think one last thing because I think everything we touched on in this episode was to an extent surface level, and I don't mean that bad. Like, there's no way that we could give a full detailed description of the history of zero, right? Like, that's no, not what yeah. this podcast is. Yeah, that's not what this podcast is. But it's super interesting, 
Or like even, I mean, I'm, I didn't sit here and give you a full linguistic description of zero either. That's also super interesting. Right. So I do just hope that like, somebody hears this and thinks, wow, I really want to go look into this something. Just, this is know? just uh, the whole point of the podcast is just to get the conversation going. Yeah. And so this is just getting... Is oh, that Kelly? Is there another baby up? It may go check on Kelly. Anything. You don't have to, it doesn't have to be zero. Five plus zero is five. Good yeah. job. That's a good one. Do you, uh, do you want to say anything to the podcast? Do you want to tell anyone why they should listen to the podcast? Why they should listen to the podcast? Do you want to tell them? Do you, have, like, do you think people should listen to me and Daddy? Do you think we've got good ideas? My mom and dad have good ideas. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Well, all right. Well, let's uh, wrap this thing up. And uh, thank y'all for listening. Uh, please share wherever you can, you know, wherever you want to, even if it's just like at the office and you're like, hey, you know, listen to this podcast. is kind of interesting. Maybe give it a quick listen. You know, most of those people are probably not going to listen to it, even though you suggested it. But, do it anyway. Uh, it would mean a lot to us if you spread the word a little bit we would like to grow the community grow the uh, listenership uh, and hopefully eventually be able to make this a full-time gig so anyway uh thank y'all for listening and until next time peace goodbye goodbye adios I keep thinking I hear him. Maybe. It might be. All right, cool. We're done.